One of the greatest obstacles to crafting health and wellness is identifying and controlling inflammation. It's at the core of all complex and chronic diseases and is the driving mechanism that underlies the most common symptoms that people like you struggle to overcome. Join us as we explore cutting-edge science and research to give you the information and tools you need to create the quality of life you want and deserve. And now, here is the host of Inflammation Nation, Dr. Stephen Noseworthy. Hey guys, welcome back. We're still talking about longevity and health span. Today we're going to be talking about loss of resilience. So last episode, I, I took some time to introduce concepts of longevity, and I pointed out a few important things that I think bear repeating. First of all, we're living longer than ever before, but while we do live longer, we have not yet conquered age-related diseases. So in essence, we're living longer with more chronic disease. We also talked about morbidity, which is the symptoms and the loss of functional capacity that's associated with dysfunction and disease. And we talked about health span, which is the portion of your total lifespan where you're free from dysfunction and disease, where you have no morbidity. So just remember that just because you can live longer doesn't mean you're going to be healthy. In fact, the statistics would argue against that. And I quoted that American British writer and philosopher named Ashley Montague, who essentially said that the idea is to die young as old as possible. But part of the problem is that as we age, we lose control of the regular cell programming that protects us from cells becoming too old and passing on their faulty DNA to other cells that eventually replace them. So remember, it's normal for cells to grow old, to start to malfunction, but then to be replaced by younger, newer cells that don't have the damage that these older ones do. And on average, cells will divide or multiply about 50 times before they get replaced by new cells. And this entire biological process, which is normal, is known as senescence. But as these new cells age, they too sustain damage from inflammation and oxidative stress that changes how they function, it damages their DNA, and they too get replaced and so on. But when we lose control of this cell replacement programming, cells that should be replaced aren't. They divide too many times. They pass on faulty DNA to the next generation of cells, which means now the new cells start out with faulty programming and faulty DNA. And over time, as these faulty cells hang out longer than they should, they accumulate inside tissues and organs so that with time, the proportion of all cells that are senescent goes up, affecting how the cells and the tissues and organs of your body function. So for every decade that you age, you accumulate more faulty cells than the decade before. And the extent to which that happens is really what controls your aging process. If you are someone who has maintained good cell replacement programming, then you can be biologically younger than your chronological age. But on the flip side, if you age faster than you should, your biological age can be older than the number of candles that you have on your birthday cake. And so I think that's a pretty fair summary of what I went through in the introductory episode. Now, I know that I said I was going to go through the hallmarks of aging in this episode, but I, I changed my mind mostly because I thought it would be more useful and practical to talk about a related topic, which is resilience. And resilience is intimately tied to this idea of senescence and aging poorly. So what is resilience? Well, essentially, it's the ability to take a hit and keep on going. And in my opinion, nobody has said it better 
than Sylvester Stallone in the movie Rocky Balboa. So listen for a couple of seconds while I play this audio clip. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. So that's resilience. It's taking a hit and moving forward. It's obviously easy to understand a boxing analogy, but how does that relate to your health? Well, resilience is what allows you to get a head cold and to be normal a week later. It's the ability to be around someone with the flu and not get the flu. It's the ability to stay up late, to maybe get a bad night's sleep, but still function the next day. It's the ability to exercise, to recover, and then to repeat that over and over again. And the reason why we need to talk about resilience is because when your senescence programming begins to fail and you accumulate these faulty aged senescent cells in your glands and organs, you lose resilience because it is predicated on healthy functioning cells that can take a hit and keep on moving. Now, if you listen to the episodes I did on my new favorite lab test, I talked about the impact of inflammation and oxidative stress on your cells. And if you don't remember that, you can go back and, and listen to those episodes. Inflammation and free radical stress causes damage to your cell membranes, changes the ability of your cells to take up nutrients, to expel toxins or waste products. It damages your mitochondria such that your cells can't produce sufficient energy for optimal function, and it also damages your DNA. And younger cells, healthier cells, have that have flexible cell membranes, healthy mitochondria, good energy production capacity with healthy DNA, all of that gets passed on when the cells divide, and this is what gives you resilience. And once you start losing that, it often starts in one area, but over time it starts to include others. Now, you might recall that not all tissues in your body age at the same rate. So you might have two people of the same age with similar diets and lifestyles, they might be living in the same general environment, and one will have advanced aging, for example, in their brain, and the other might have advanced aging of their gonads or their hormonal system. But maybe the person with the loss of resilience in their hormonal system eventually starts to experience loss of resilience in their brain, too, if the mechanisms that cause the senescence and loss of resilience in their hormones eventually affects the brain and other things. And that's why in the first episode, I gave you a short list of things that need to be controlled to help with healthy aging. And the reason the list is what it is, because they're either the result of or increase the production of inflammation and oxidative stress, which then brings senescence. And just a super quick review, the main problems in that last list are things like heart disease, which itself is an inflammatory problem, blood sugar control control of Hashimoto's hypothyroidism and other autoimmunities. And I mentioned gut health, especially like knowing that 70% of your immune system is in your gut. And it's perhaps the single greatest source of inflammation that you can have. So you should think of senescence and resilience as opposites, right? The more resilient you are, the less senescence you have accumulated. 
the more you fail to control inflammation and oxidative stress, the less you do to protect your cells, your mitochondria, and your DNA, the more your cells become senescent, which means you lose resilience. So they are opposites. The more you, the more resilience you have, the less senescence, the more you can take a hit and keep moving forward. And ultimately, just to relate this back to that quote from Ashley Montague, resilience is the key to dying young as old as possible. So let's talk about the different ways that a loss of resilience or a rise in senescence can show up. Remember that there are two main factors that increase your risk for loss of resilience. The first is simply age. I hate to say it, but the more candles you do have on your birthday cake, just by the nature of aging, the more likely that you're going to have a greater degree of senescence somewhere. The second thing, and this is regardless of age, is how much inflammation and oxidative stress you've had and for how long. You might be in trouble as a middle-aged person if you've been inflamed for most of your life. You might have more senescence and loss of resilience than a 70-year-old who hasn't been. All right, so let's go through this so that you can start to recognize areas in your life and in your body and how it's working. Recognize where you may have started to lose resilience. The first way to recognize a loss of resilience would be susceptibility to infections. And that would mean things like recurrent upper respiratory infections, recurrent sinus infections, getting frequent colds or flus. These are major indicators. But related to this is how quickly you bounce back, right? So think in terms of how frequently you get sick, how bad you get sick, and how long you are sick for, or how quickly you can rebound and get back to feeling pretty healthy again. So maybe you don't get sick very often, but when you do, you're down longer than expected, and it takes too long to recover. So you can ask yourself a few questions. How often do you get sick during the year? Are you the first person to get sick when cold and flu season comes around? Or do you get sick later after you've been exposed for a longer period of time? But if you do get sick, do you get sicker than and stay sicker longer than everybody else around you? So that's one way. The second way to recognize loss of resilience is susceptibility to gut or gastrointestinal complaints. And this is a really wide topic, but you just focus in on a couple of simple things. Like what happens to your gut, particularly your bowel habits when you travel? Some people get constipated. Some people get loose stools. Some people, it doesn't bother them at all. Another question related to gut resilience would be whether or not you can stray outside of your normal diet or do you have to stick to a short list of foods or else bad things happen? If you're a female with a menstrual cycle, does your gut go wacky during your cycle? Or do stress and emotion affect your gut? And if so, to what degree? Some people get an emotional upset and it immediately affects how their gut is working. A third way to recognize loss of resilience is in the realm of cognition and psychology. So how you think and how you feel. So do emotional stressors derail you? Like, can you not function if you're stressed? Do you dwell on the negative? Do you struggle to find solutions or struggle to see the silver lining in situations? Another way to look at cognitive resilience is to ask when you work your brain, say with a lot of reading, especially if it's mentally demanding material, can you still focus and concentrate when you're done? How long can you read for Do you get grouchy? Do you have any other symptoms that flare up when your brain is tired because you've been doing mentally challenging things? 
And one of the big ones, is it harder now to learn, remember, plan, and organize than say it was two years ago or five years ago or 10 years ago? Next topic would be environmental sensitivity. When you lose what we call chemical resilience, you start to have issues with things like scents and perfumes. You have to change all of your personal care products and your household cleaners because you can't handle the smell or the odors. You might also be very sensitive to the smell and the presence of mold. I mentioned this just a little bit ago, but another way to see loss of resilience is in your exercise response. When you exercise, does it take longer to recover from your workouts than it did before, but you're still doing the same kind of work? Are you getting nagging small injuries or recurrent or overuse type injuries? And can you still actually perform at the same level that you did, say, six months ago or a year ago or two years ago? Or is your performance and your physical output going down? What about sleep resilience? One of the key things here is to be able to function after a night or two of poor or less sleep. Or if you're the person that needs more sleep than usual to function well. Sometimes we can pick it up in people who have chronic or long-term difficulties falling asleep or staying asleep. These all can imply lack of sleep resilience. We can also add stress resilience and adaptability. Look for whether or not you startle easily. Can someone jump out from behind a, a corner and yell boo? And do you jump like crazy or do you just go, oh, that was funny? And also, is the magnitude of any stress response way stronger or larger compared to the intensity of the stressor? Anytime we get a magnified response, given the intensity of the stimulus, right? Mild stimulus, mild stressor, big stress response, this is a tail sign of a lock, I'm sorry, a loss of stress resilience. And a final one in that area is. Once you do get startled, do you stay stressed for a really long period of time once the stressor's gone, or can you calm down fairly quickly? And finally, we can think about or talk about blood sugar resilience, which is tied into the concept of metabolic flexibility, right? Do you have to watch your carb intake because it makes you sleepy or crave sweets all the time? Do you have to use caffeine or some other stimulant to stay awake or to be productive after you've eaten a meal? Can you handle things like intermittent fasting? I know I went through that really quickly, but these are the most common ways that people lose resilience or how an increase in senescence in a system can show up in real life. And this is perhaps the easiest way that you can do some kind of a self-evaluation and try to understand where you might be in this realm. One of the key factors to consider is that loss of resilience is a spectrum. Right? Just because you might have some of these things I listed doesn't mean that you've progressed to the point where your loss of resilience is permanent, although that certainly can happen. If you make some simple changes that work for you and you regain your lost function, then your loss of resilience clearly hasn't progressed beyond repair. In other words, it's easier to change your resilience when things are in the early stages of development and it becomes harder the long things, longer things have been that way. And yes, sad to say, sometimes people have progressed so far that even intensive work doesn't get the results that work for other people. 
So you should probably be concerned for your own resilience if your loss of resilience symptoms don't respond to simple changes or simple strategies, or if you see a loss of resilience in multiple areas and not just one, or if you realize that you've had loss of resilience symptoms for a very long time. Because the longer these patterns go uncorrected, the harder it is to change them. Now, researchers have studied trends in health and disability, and what we see is that health starts to rapidly decline between the ages of 35 and 49. And this is the general trend, and it matches what a cardiologist told me during one of my seminars several years ago. We were on a break, and we were just chatting, and he told me that in his experience, people who took care of themselves well during their 40s and their 50s, that these people, their 60s and 70s and 80s, were typically a breeze which means that the people who have the most health problems in their golden years are those people who didn't maintain or build resilience in their 30s, their 40s, and their 50s. But I don't want you to get tripped up on those numbers. Like If you're in your 20s and your health is good, don't wait until you're 39 or 40 or 45 to start taking good care of yourself or being proactive. Right? If you're younger and fairly healthy, the more resilience that you build now will protect you in the future. Likewise, if you're older and you feel like, well, I've missed the window, I don't want you to give up, right? You never know how much you can accomplish by discovering your ideal diet to controlling your blood sugar, starting to exercise, or even taking a few key supplements. It is pretty well known that once we hit our mid-30s or somewhere around there, we start to lose muscle mass year after year unless we're doing things like resistance training to prevent that. We also know that we start to lose hormonal levels and we can't fight off the impacts of inflammation and oxidative stress. Plus, we just continue to add more exposure to things that drive senescence and cause us to lose resilience year after year and decade after decade. So in the coming episodes, I'm going to revisit the hallmarks of aging, but I'm going to focus on a couple of things in that list that are actionable, right? Some of the science behind all of this and aging is, is of more interest to me as a clinician and may not translate to you and give you something for you to do yourself. So I you know, consider it my job is to sift through the science and boil things down for you to basic principles and concepts that are easier to understand and that give you something to take action on. So I encourage you, go back and listen to the earlier portion of this episode, listen through the list of things that areas where you can discover or recognize where you've lost resilience or where you're increasing your senescence and just do a little bit of a self-evaluation and try to ask yourself, where am I in the spectrum of all these different things? Because here's the deal. As Tim Allen said in Galaxy Quest, never give up, never surrender. All right, guys, we'll see you next time on the Inflammation Nation. Thanks for listening to Inflammation Nation. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Be the first to know when a new episode drops so you can stay on top of your game. It also helps others like you find the answers they need. You can use the links in the episode description to check out Dr. Noseworthy's self-learning programs for thyroid, detox, and gut health. Or you can submit a question for the podcast and even reach out to Dr. Noseworthy directly.